1: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Uh,
2: let me know when it's live. Welcome back to another episode of Wisco Fanatics. You obviously have myself and Tyler. You guys saw us on Wednesday. We are joined by Bryant and Packers.com editor Mike Spofford was nice enough to join us tonight. Mike, how you doing, buddy?
3: Good. Thanks for having me, guys. Hope all's well.
2: Yeah, well, well, we'll always have you whenever you're free. <laughs> um, I know Bryant was uh, pretty vocal in our chat. He wanted to start the show with something. So, Bryant, take it away, bud.
4: Yeah, I just wanted to kind of address some of the people I've seen talking about Aaron Rodgers, saying it was karma, you know, being being upset about, you know, oh, great, we're only getting a second-round pick. and I, I just want to talk to those people and be like, yeah, go and touch grass or something because – You're talking about, as a Packer fan, if you're a Packer fan saying this, for the better, more than a decade, we got to wake up week one and legitimately think our team had a chance to win the Super Bowl. So for, for you to immediately just, whatever your thoughts are on how he left the team, for you to come out and almost celebrate an injury, like a devastating injury like that, I was excited for Aaron. Sure, I wanted them to, you know, karma would be if he went to the Jets and they went, six and 11 and we got even a higher pick karma isn't rupturing your Achilles okay this this is terrible for football this was someone I was going to root for and look you know forward to watching him play he was somewhere he wanted to be his relationship had run the course with Green Bay but don't get it twisted he was an amazing player he is a hall of fame player for the Green Bay Packers well his name will be forever put on Lambeau Field soon enough like so to call yourself a fan and then to celebrate that injury, I'll just kind of ask you to take a you know step back and put, put it in perspective a little bit. You know, it for as far as the pick concerned, if he's healthy on the Jets, we're getting a late first. Now we're probably getting early second. So if you really want to complain about that, it's not that much of a difference, right? So to just I just wanted to say seeing people celebrate it was pretty disgusting. So
2: let me uh, let me add something to that. It has nothing to do with the Jets, but it has to do with the Vikings actually. And Alexander Madison was getting some very disgusting DMs last night after a rough game for him, rough game for the Vikings offense, really, besides the second half. They they opened it up a little bit. But some of the stuff that these fans, and I'm going to quote them fans, are saying uh, to these players, like, you have to realize that these are people. Man, that's somebody's son. That's somebody's, you know, he he might have a, I don't even know if he has kids, but that, that could be somebody's dad. You know what I mean? Like, they don't need to be seeing stuff like that it's the same thing about injuries. That's the, the, the nothing that we don't deal with that, right? We, we don't deal with injuries around here. You pick on injuries, you cheer for injuries. This is not the page for you because we have a no tolerance for that. So don't be cheering for injuries. You don't need to be talking disgusting to these players because they're people just be better. This is a form of entertainment. It's a sport at the end of the day, right? It's something that we all enjoy. Obviously that's why we come here every Friday night to give you guys breakdowns of the games, but you know, we're not cheering for injuries or, or sending disgusting DMs to people. So I thought that needed to be said.
4: Yeah, if you want to talk about the players being people, I think, who was it? Like Demarius Thomas? or can't remember the name of him, for the linebacker for the Saints, talking about his daughter struggling with seizures and the struggle they've been going through with that. Go listen to his press conference with that, and it you know, kind of put you in perspective of what that they're actual people. And so to, to some of that stuff is just, yeah. I just wanted to open was saying that. I thought it was kind of terrible to see that instantly. And it was actually some people that – there was one in particular I kind of tweeted back at complaining about the pick right away. And he's actually he's, – he doesn't work for the Packers or anything, but he he covers the Packers a lot. And I was just like, come on, man. Like, really? Like, I I respect your opinion. And you're out here complaining, oh, we're only getting a second-round pick right away.
2: Only a second-rounder. Like, dude, it's still a second-round pick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> only a second-rounder. The trades. Yeah. And, and look what we've got from them already, to be completely honest with you. I mean, we, got, we moved up. We got Lucas Van Ness. Uh, We were able to get – who else did we get? I I forgot. Um, Kicker, uh, Anders Carlson. And there was one other person that I'm blanking on, but we we got a couple – oh, was it Brooks? It was either Brooks. I think it was Brooks that we got. But we got a couple good players already, and we're going to be adding another second rounder to this roster, which looks young and fast and good. So, I mean – you're going to be complaining about that. That's ridiculous.
4: I'm sure Mike, you probably seen it around the team as well. I'm sure there are some people pretty beat up, beat up about, you know, that's someone they, they played with for a long time. I can't imagine like you seen box. come out against it almost immediately Love the turf. Um, so it's, it's affecting our team still people, whether it, yeah, it's a business and He went to play for someone else, but people on this team, our team still love that guy. So.
3: Yeah. I mean the lo- the locker room, you know, the, uh, you know, Wednesday is the is the first uh, the first real day of the week that uh, that were allowed in the locker room after practice to talk to guys. And, of course, a big topic of conversation was was Roger's injury. And uh, yeah, I mean, and those guys in the locker room are just are sick for him. You know, I mean, they you know, some, whether whether it's a guy, you know, um, who, you know, played with him for a year or two or a guy like Bakhtiari, who is one of his best friends. You know, I mean, the the. Um, I mean, nobody, nobody, and trust me, nobody in that locker room wanted to see that, Um, you know, it it was, uh, I mean, yeah, you know, it's, it's a business, business decisions are made, trades are made, you know, this is, you know, Aaron Rodgers is not the first Hall of Fame quarterback to be, you know, traded to another team. It's not the first time the Green Bay Packers have traded a Hall of Fame quarterback to another team. I mean, this is, this is the kind of thing this is the kind of thing that happens. And, and, uh, and, you know, the last thing, the last thing anybody wanted was uh, uh, was for him to not be able to play the season with his new team. And, and just whether you have any ties to the Packers or the Jets or anything at all, I mean, as, as a, as a football fan, you know, the national football league in 2023 will not be as good because Aaron Rodgers is not going to be a part of it. That is simply a fact. I mean, the, the, there was going to be a lot of excitement around his games with the jets and how he was going to do. And, you know, some of his former teammates who were there to play with him and uh, you know, and Matt LaFleur's best friend, Robert salas is the head coach of the jets. And, you know, there's, there was a lot, um, a lot invested in this by a lot of people Um, invested people a lot more invested than any fan could ever be invested in what was going on. And, uh, um, and it's just, it's, it's, it's sad for football, quite frankly, that he's, that he's not going to be a part of the season. It's, it's really too bad. I'm glad to hear that. It sounds like the surgery went well and, and he's uh, um, you know, he's, he's on the mend and, and we'll see what happens from here. But, uh, um, but I mean, the, the the last thing that I was thinking about when I saw that injury Monday night was the whole like draft pick scenario and whatever. Yeah. I understand fans are going to latch onto that and and you know it was it was fun it was fun and playful to make jokes about sixty five percent of the snaps and whatever when you know it was just it was sort of obvious. Well, like of course he's going to play sixty five percent of the snaps, and now that that's not going to happen. You know, it's that's a that that's that's just a a sad thing for football, in my opinion. Hundred percent.
5: All righty, so we're gonna transition from the former Packers quarterback to their current quarterback. We're gonna start with our three stars and our underrated performer. So our first star was Jordan Love. He was 15 of 27, which is somewhat of a low completion percentage, which I don't think is indicative of his performance. But he had the three touchdowns and zero interceptions no fumbles, including snaps, which was something we discussed in the preseason was the fumbling snaps, and he was great on third and fourth down. So Jordan Love was our first star. Uh, Bryant has our second star.
4: Yeah, how can you not go with Aaron Jones? Um, He absolutely flipped that game on its head in the second quarter, or excuse me, second half. And uh, one of the things, one of the questions that Matt LaFleur was asked by, I believe it was Aaron Andrews or whoever's on the sideline, hey, like, why didn't Jones touch the, the ball and Alifor, obviously he's much smarter than I, he's a coach in the NFL, but he's like, Hey, we, you know, we didn't, we were trying to get into rhythm. We couldn't really get into rhythm that took away touches. For me, I was like, Aaron Jones is your rhythm maker. So like if, if he's going this whole offense will go immediately, they start getting him the ball and the game is over by midway through the third quarter, really towards the end of the third quarter, the game was over because Aaron Jones just completely <laughs> took over the game. So he, he was a huge outlet for, Aaron, uh, Jordan love. I really love that throwback screen to him. That was a fun play. Um, so no, he, he's absolutely one of the stars of the game. So.
5: Simon's bummed that he can't be here, but he's in the comments. So he's with us in spirit.
2: Hi Simon.
5: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jake has our third star.
2: Just want to get myself a little pat on the back. Cause I mentioned him a few times last week. I was <laughs> looking for him to have a big game and he definitely responded. Uh, maybe he heard me. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> But Devontae Wyatt was an absolute monster last week. But who on the Packers' front seven was not destroying the Bears' offensive line? I don't know if you saw. You could build I mean, a
5: secondary in there, too.
2: You could. But uh, I don't, we're not very big on the PFF grades. We're more so with, like, the, the routes and all that stuff. But the PFF grades for the Bears' offensive line was pretty gross. It, it'll make you puke if you're a Bears fan. So go watch it, Bears fans. Um, <laughs> anyways, Devontae Wyatt three total tackles, two solo, a sack and a half, two tackles for loss, and two quarterback hits. The man was a monster last week, and we're going to need that to continue if this defense is going to be top five.
4: Was it something like three and a half sacks between rookies and second-year players? Like, I can't remember what the stats were. It was insane. So, say, awesome.
5: Lucas Van Brooks.
3: Yeah, and one and, and a half, half from Wyatt, yeah.
4: Yeah, three and a half. Three and a half. Pretty good production.
5: All right. Simon asked if the underrated performer was Darnell Savage. He was in contention, but to me, there was no other player that it could have been other than Anders Carlson. It had to be Anders Carlson for the underrated performer because of how much anxiety he induced into the fan base throughout the entire training camp because of just missing kicks in practice, even. I mean, it wasn't even a big deal in any of the preseason games. He made all of his field goals. He missed, what, a couple extra points in the actual games. And then week one, when it matters, he makes everything. Five for five on extra points. And he made a 52-yard field goal that probably would have been good from 62. So those are our three stars and underrated performers. Mike, is there anything you want to chime in on those guys before we talk about the offense?
3: Well, I'd say with regard with regard to Carlson, you gotta you gotta tip the cap to uh to Daniel Whelan because the, the hold on that fifty two yard field goal, that was uh that was tricky and and that was that was a high snap. He had to get that thing down. And as you said, uh um, you know, Carlson Carlson just nailed that kick. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Um it was kick to the opposite end from our really crappy view in the soldier field press box so i never really got a good look as to exactly how far it uh it cleared the crossbar but you could see when it left his foot it was as soon as it left his foot i was like okay the oh, distance is not an issue here it's going to be just a matter of the of the accuracy and and uh it would have been good from lake michigan yeah that was uh that that was quite a uh that was quite a kick um yeah. Def- I mean, definitely Savage, you know, and not just, uh, you know, being, you know, the leading tackler and whatnot, but, uh, um, but I mean, that you know, he was, uh, he was dodging blocks by the perimeter guys for the bears. I mean, there was, you know, from when I went through the film, a couple things that I highlighted, I mean, he, you know, he made, he made Bobby Tunyon completely whiff on a block. He made Chase Claypool completely whiff on a block. Um, and, uh, you know, he was, he was a problem. I thought, uh, I thought Savage and Nixon were probably the two most instrumental guys in kind of wrecking that whole bubble screen game uh mm-hmm. for uh mm-hmm. for the Bears because they never they never got that bubble screen game going and quite frankly the probably the best play the Bears had the entire preseason was the bubble screen to DJ Moore that he took like 80 yards for a touchdown so um yeah. I thought Savage and Nixon were uh you know were uh, we're really good with that. And then, and then the other one I would say is, is, uh, just in terms of the open field tackling one-on-one on the outside, Rasul Douglas had a real solid yeah. yes. <laughs> well, I'm happy um, you
2: said that. I'm happy you said that. Thank
3: yeah, you. Yeah. He, and, uh, you know, I mean, I don't like to get into guys like celebrations and stuff, you know, his <laughs> dancing and whatever, like I'll leave, Damn. I'll leave the judgment of that to, to, uh, to others. But, uh, but I thought Douglas, uh, you know, I thought Douglas really brought something to this game and, and, you know, and the pass breakup in the end zone as well. Um, you know, Comet kind of Cole Komet kind of engaged in some contact there in the end zone. Douglas didn't back down and, and, uh, fortunately the refs, you know, the refs let it go. Sometimes you will see that flagged, um, yep. and, you know, would have given the bears, uh, you know, another shot on first and goal, but, uh, it's kind of contact both ways. They let it go, and and Douglas broke up the pass. So I, I thought there were a lot of, uh, you know, I guess I'd say a lot of maybe underrated performers uh, in this one, particularly on uh, on the defensive side. But on the offensive side, to me, the biggest thing that stood out, um, um, you know, aside from the the statistics and whatnot, the biggest thing that stood out was uh, was the protection by the offensive line. You know, the running game, the running game was definitely fits and starts and whatnot. And there were some issues there, but, uh, um, but the protection up front I thought was outstanding. And, uh, and it really helped Jordan Love settle in, you know, uh, on the road, you know, a place where, you know, the crowd can get kind of nasty and everything. And, and, uh, you know, those guys, those guys up front, I mean, the, the, the Bears got the one sack, you know, late in the first half. And that was really the only time they, uh, they, you know, really, even even threatened to uh, to get to Jordan Love as far as what I remember.
2: Yep,
4: I think they had two pressures, um, and then you could say that that the sack that I feel like Jordan Love probably had a chance to escape or get rid of the ball on he he. You could almost say that one's a little bit on Love. So yeah, I thought the offensive line played absolutely lights out.
5: Yep, Tom or Simon said Tom had a stellar game, and he also loves sixty nine. David Bakhtiari. <laughs> okay, we can we can let David Bakhtiari have a minute. Did you guys see everything that he did during this game from from laying down and waving to, to fans giving him the finger and then later on himself giving the finger to the fans? That's all-time photo.
2: First of all, all-time photo of him just standing up there and just, just giving him the bird, like just giving him the business. I'm like... I do not love that guy
3: seriously. <laughs> he had the he had this really weird and I didn't understand what it was. He had this really weird celebration on the first touchdown to Dobbs. I don't know if you guys saw that. He like he laid down on his stomach in the end zone and was like kind of flapping one arm and leg like off to the side and I <laughs> I didn't understand what it was. That was that was the end zone that was right below us like where we were in the press box. So I happened to see it. I don't know if they showed it on TV or not. It was it was strange. It was weird. Uh, I don't, I don't know what that was all about. But that's kind of where it started and then and then his day just got kind of stranger and stranger as the uh, as the wore on in Chicago. David Bakhtiari is my spirit
5: animal.
2: He's just living his best life, man. Yeah. For real.
5: Um, Greg said that he's excited for this Sunday because the Packers and Falcons match up well against each other. We're going to get to that. We're going to finish recapping first. So talking about the offense, Bryant,
4: what's that out to you from the wide receivers development? So I thought they played pretty well. Um, you can tell they're young. They're, they're still need to, you know, there's, there's going to be learning curves. And um, so they had like eight reception on 16 targets. So kind of mirrored um, Jordan loves completion percentage I thought overall they played pretty well, though. Not too many egregious drops. You can say, well, Jordan should have thrown the one ball to Jaden Reed a little more outside. Or you could say it hit Jordan, Jaden Reed in the chest, and you'd like to see him grab that ball, sure. But they had eight receptions. Well, this is between first and second year wide receivers. They had eight receptions for 92 yards, the two touchdown by Dobbs. But the rookies alone had four for 66. Um, the Tavian Wicks had an interesting day. When you go back and watch some of the tape, I feel like he got open a lot. Uh, I th- which touchdown was it? It was one of the touchdowns. I think it was the first one to Dobbs. But if you look, I think it's Dontavian Wicks shooting wide open into, on a breaker to the left. So if Jordan Love would have looked that way, he probably would have had a touchdown, too. I th- I, it was either Heath or Wicks. So I thought they played pretty well overall. Obviously, Dontavian Wicks had the two um, penalties. But you you got to remember he missed a lot of the offseason as well. But I thought he led the team in snaps, that wide receiver. Um, I think he had like 32, and the next closest was 31. He had 37. Oh, Was it 37? Okay. So I thought they played over overall well. There's going to be you know there's going to be some growing pains this year, but uh, I thought they they showed up, played well. I thought Jaden Reed had a couple big catches um, to support. Oh, um, he had a big catch on a third down when the game was still kind of in balance. So overall, I thought they played pretty well
5: say i feel somewhat similarly about the tight ends like um looking at luke musgrave is obviously the most prominent one he played 46 snaps he had the three catches on four targets 50 yards uh one i'll say mike i'd be interested to get your uh viewpoint on this was the the throw where musgrave fell down and love overthrew um the, the one that landed incomplete now mm-hmm. i i've seen you get people like colin coward who are like he overthrew a wide open guy on third down but I've also seen people bring up the fact that if Luke Musgrave just continues running that route vertically, he's walking in for a touchdown. So I'm curious, and I'm not saying we need to like point blame, but more so just kind of like what the context is on a play like that.
3: Yeah. I mean, it, to me, there were a couple things going on there. I think one, I I think Love thought he was going to take that route a little more vertical. I also thought that, you know, Musgrave kind of, you know, kind of got slowed up a little bit in terms of he was kind of looking one way and then turned and was looking the other way over the other shoulder. And I, I don't know, based on that route concept, if if that, if he's supposed to be looking, you know, on over the shoulder toward the sideline or the shoulder toward the inside, but almost, you know, in terms of, you know, when you make that, when you make that switch, I mean, that can be something that, you know, that slows you down a little bit. So, obviously the time, the, just the timing of that, you know, was, uh, was off. And, um, you know, I, th- I think the, you know, I thought what was really, what was more important was that, you know, and this is an example of how love just doesn't, doesn't let things bother him and, you know, doesn't get flustered is, is uh, it was either the next play or two plays after that was one of the big completions to Jaden Reed to Uh, you know, to keep that drive alive. I mean, you think, oh geez, he just, you know, missed a big play down the field and, and blew that. And it's like, well, you know, no, you know, a couple plays later, it's like, he makes the conversion to a different receiver. You know, they move the chains, keep the drive going. So, you know, stuff, stuff like that. I mean, um, the, uh, um, I mean, we saw on the other, you know, on the other deep ball to, to, uh, to Musgrave, you know, he, you know, he, he's a young tight end. He's going to get his footwork kind of screwed up once in a while. And, and, you know, fortunately he was able to make the catch on that one. Unfortunately for him, wasn't able to uh, get in the end zone because I'm sure he would have loved to have scored his first NFL touchdown, um, you know, on that play. But, um, you know, that's, that kind of goes to, to Brian's point about, about, uh, you know, just the growing pains. I mean, that, that kind of stuff is, um, that kind of stuff is going to happen. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's uh Um, you know, not that, not that it's, it's an excuse, but what's more important is not necessarily that it happens, but then what happens on the next play or the next play after that? Like, how does the offense just kind of like regroup and not worry about missing an opportunity? What's the next opportunity in front of them that they need to cash in on? And, and, uh, you know, I thought, uh, um, I thought they did, they did just fine, you know, keeping their keeping their composure and uh, and nobody got too riled up over uh, over a missed opportunity.
4: And I think on the big, the deeper one the most great that he did catch, I think it came out that he said he, he cramped up during the play uh, when he fell backwards or something like that. But it seemed like there's a lot of cramps. I'm hoping that might be a little bit of the case with Aaron Jones. We'll see, you know, a little, I know it's his hamstring, but he's in pretty, he's like giving, you know, peace signs to that drone that was flying over his head and smiling yeah. and stuff. So it'd be, I I'll bet see. you know, I the playoff game he'd be back in the game or something.
3: Yeah, be- best thing about that play which to to me was was uh was just watching AJ Dillon how um he first goes to maybe try to recover the fumble but then he sees that jordan love is able to pick it up and dylan ends up throwing like two blocks in protection to help love be able to get back in the pocket of and let that ball go that i mean Tucker the, had a huge block
2: mm-hmm. yeah i mean just, the, just
3: the, uh just just the wherewithal that uh that those guys had to uh to just kind of stick with the play block your guy and, uh, and try to keep things clean for Jordan so that, uh, you know, so that he could try to make something happen out of that. And sure enough, it turned out to be a big play that set up a touchdown. So that was, uh, I, I thought that just, you know, that, that spoke to, I think how mentally the guys were, you know, the guys were into the game because they could, uh, you know, they, they just, you know, okay, Jordan's going to pick up the ball. We got, there's still things to execute here. Let's, uh, let's get the job done. And, and they did. It turned out to be a big play. So between the two, the two Musgrave passes, the deep
5: ones, uh, basically what it came down to for me, and this is what I put in my notes, is that he just needs polish. He's a he's a rookie and he didn't have a ton of playing time in college either dealing with injuries.
3: Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a guy who played two games last year, uh, not even two full games at that because he got injured in the second yeah. one. So, um, yeah, I mean, he, you know, this this was literally his third you know real game uh you know, in the last two years. So um I, I think polish is 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 a good word for it. There's a lot to refine um about his game and it's just uh it's it's gonna take time. it's gonna take reps, it's gonna take games. It might take a heck of a lot of games uh, for a guy who, you know um, enters the draft off a season where he only played in in two contests. so uh but I mean, you know the size, the speed, the talent—it's—it's it's there. I mean, there's a reason. There's a reason he was drafted in the middle of the second round and was one of the top tight ends taken in the entire draft. I think so Ben
5: Ben Fennel and Mike Renner were both raving about him, not only about his passing game prowess, but also showing off being a willing blocker, which is something that comes back to again that deep pass to, to Luke Musgrave to tie into my next rookie tight end, which is Tucker Craft. Jake and I actually broke this play down. Uh, not even looking at what happens between Jordan Love and Luke Musgrave, but Tucker Craft carrying a defensive end all the way across the formation. And the only player that that defensive end could get a hand on was A.J. Dillon. And Jordan Love was still four yards away from him, making a deep pass that ended up getting completed to the five yard line. I do like the way you put it, though, about uh, looking at a missed opportunity and not being rattled by missing that opportunity, but looking for the next one. I think that's an awesome way to put that and a great way to like to coach that to the players. Um, And then uh, Ben Sims, the other rookie tight end played nine snaps, no targets. So not a whole lot. I would say the jury is still out on him. Um, Greg, we're going to come back to your question. When Bryant talks about the running game, I just want to throw on the pass distribution to marry the tight ends and the wide receivers together. Um, Three different players had a target on the first drive. Um, Malik Keith was the fourth player to get a target on the second drive. Um, basically using downfield passes, wide receiver screens, running back screens, all of those things with Luke Musgrave. Uh, Toure and Dillon were targeted on the fourth drive. Uh, Just really good balance, I'll say, as far as the passing game distribution goes. Eight different players were targeted. Uh, Reed and Dobbs both had five. Jones and Musgrave both had four. Uh, Just on the down throw or the downfield aspect of it, Overthrew Toure on one, which Jake and I talked about. We think Christian Watson has a chance to catch that ball uh, just by being faster and bigger. Um, we talked about the Musgrave ones. And then the the incomplete pass that he threw to Jaden Reed that got Jaden Reed kind of banged up, but he was fine and back in the game later on. That was really the only throw in the passing game that I was like, ooh, maybe Jordan shouldn't have made that throw. But, um, Mike, is there anything else you would say that you know, as far as the passing game goes that maybe Jordan Love could have done better or shouldn't have done?
3: I mean, I think you, I mean, you pretty much, you know, you pretty much covered it. I, you know, I, I mean, I, as, as you guys said before too, I mean, I love the, uh, I love the throwback screen. It was, uh, um, I almost wonder if, if like they were talking about something in the locker room at halftime of, you know, like, Hey, let, you know, all right, it's time to pull this one out and run it. Because uh, just the fact that that was called on the opening drive of the second half just makes me think that, you know, there was maybe some there was maybe some halftime discussion about that. And uh, I forget who it was. One of the guys had said um, might even have been one of the offensive linemen um, said that, you know, they've they've had that play and um, they've had that play and they've tried it before but it didn't really work. And so, you know, nobody really knew exactly what it was. (laughs) And uh, this time, you know, the execution was uh, the execution of that was, uh, was spot on. So, I mean, from everything from the, from the play fake to the leaking of the lineman to the, you know, to the off balance uh, you know, the off balance throw by love to put the ball on target to, uh, to Aaron Jones. I mean, everything with that play, Went off without a hitch, and uh, um, you know those those are the plays that that uh, they they look easy when they're executed properly, but they aren't exactly easy to uh, to execute all the time. And uh, so that, that I thought that was pretty cool. One Jake, thing I
4: oops oh, sorry oh, go ahead. I was just say one other thing that we kind of talked about in the preseason and before the season was the middle of the field, and I think about fifty percent of the completions or fifty percent of the pass attempts were considered in the middle of the field and that was just something we didn't see Aaron do much so I thought it was great to that we were using the whole field again I think he was something like I can't remember the number seven for 13 in the middle of the field with like two touchdowns or something because um, the one to Dobbs and Aaron Jones so uh, I thought that was great good call
5: Jake on that on that screen pass what were the other two things that we talked about
2: well the one thing that I will I think I'll never forget about that play, was just Rasheed Walker just hustling down the field, man. Uh, He he actually reported as an eligible receiver on this play. They talked about maybe doing this uh, with all the tackle depth that the Packers have. So having big Rasheed Walker be able to, first of all, start on the left side of the play. The play went to the right, and he was the only lineman running down the field. And my big point when we broke this play down was, what if Jones had to break a tackle and there was another Bears player there? And he had to block him, and Jones ends up scoring a touchdown. Everybody's going to talk about Rasheed Walker hustling down the field. But I wanted to give Love to that, even though that he didn't score, because he put that effort in. The other thing that me and Tyler love about that play is the double team on Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson had a rough day. <laughs> Eddie Jackson had a real rough day on Sunday. Uh, he got bullied by two Packers wide receivers on this one. Who was it? Dobbs and uh, two Yep. And earlier in the game, uh, Love's first touchdown pass, actually. Um, he absolutely got abused by Romeo Dobbs in a one-on-one situation and made him turn around. And me and my stepson were—this is a, a kid term now—but uh, we were looking at the TV and we say, "Get that guy a map." That's a new thing that the kids say now. So somebody get Eddie Jackson a map. He's still looking for Romeo Dobbs. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
5: Bryant, what about the what about the offensive line in the running game? So um,
4: the running game, Spofford kind kind of hit it. They weren't um, as impressive in the running as as they were in the passing game. And we've talked about that for the last few years. Like a lot of times they're a lot better, like Myers, for example. He's a lot better, I believe, in the passing game. Same with Runyon, pass protection game than the running game. It's just Myers is weird. I, there was like a, a series of two runs. If Jones runs outside, and Jones, you can see Jones saying, hey, that's my bad. I should have went outside. It's a touchdown early in the game. I think it's the very next play that – you see Myers completely whiff on a block on like a pole or something like that. So he yep. had an up and down game in the run game. Um, so the offensive line and the, with the running game, uh, you know, the running game wasn't that effective. Uh, it looked more effective than it was because of the numbers Jones put up. He did have, you know, nine carries for like 41 yards or something was pretty good in the running game, but Dylan had a really rough game with like 13 carries for 19 yards. Um, well, I have a, you know, a little bounce back prediction for that, but, um later on in the show just a little teaser there but nice. so overall the running game wasn't fantastic uh but so uh, the offensive line fantastic in the passing game they, they definitely need you know it was a little spotty in the running game but i think that's something they'll continue to clean up and i think they they're efficient enough to where you know if jones gets he was averaging just shy of you know five yards a carry again like four and a half or whatever it was uh patrick taylor it was kind of late in the game he had you know four or five carries for 20 yards too. So he was above four yards a carry. So I thought they could have played better, but overall I thought they played all right for the running game.
5: I feel like a lot of their runs came in situations where like, all right, everybody knows we're here to kill clock. But Greg asked the question, if we were impressed with Dylan and if he' worth a second contract,
4: I can't make that decision after one game. It's
5: it's literally the first game. That's where I come down on this. Like it's a prove it year for AJ Dylan. It's not a prove it game now i wouldn't say he's off to the best start but there's 16 more games to play and if aaron jones doesn't play this sunday aj dillon is going to have a massive opportunity to prove himself so mike i don't know if there's anything you think with with aj dillon if you were impressed if he's worth that second contract or if it's too soon to tell
3: well i'm with you guys i mean it, you know we have to give aj dillon the the full uh, you know the full year here and i'm certainly curious to see not that i not that I want Aaron Jones to miss the game on Sunday in Atlanta, but he is questionable. he hasn't he hasn't practiced this week and and if he's not able to go on Sunday, we're certainly gonna see a healthy dose of uh, of of AJ Dylan. Um, the other thing I will say about the run game because i I was talking to some guys and and because I actually wrote my uh, what I call my one last look column, which is which is kind of the last like preview piece that goes up on Saturdays. On the website before the Sunday game, and I, I focused on, I focused on the running game and, and kind of you know all right you know they they weren't they weren't thrilled with how they ran the ball, um particularly after the first drive and so you know I was asking a couple guys about that and and um, John Runyon told me something you know interesting he said w- what he felt is because I asked about Lafleur's line on Monday in talking about the running game is there were too many free hitters that the Bears had. Um, you know, when they were trying to run the ball. So I asked John about that. You know, I said, I said, okay, so, you know, kind of what was going on there. And, and he, um, the way he, the way he described it to me is that, is that what they went into the Chicago game with, they, they were, they ran a lot of gap scheme runs more so than the inside and outside zone runs. But, In terms of what they worked on in training camp, not to say that they didn't work on gap scheme, but they worked a lot more on the inside and outside zone stuff throughout training camp because that's where a lot of the play action and all that comes off of. They didn't work on quite as much gap scheme, but then from a game plan perspective, the coaches thought the gap scheme was going to be the way to go for most of the runs against the Bears and Runyon kind of said, you know, he said, we just, we just need more, we need more reps at that. We need to, we need to get that, you know, we need to get that going and, and uh, um, because they just hadn't worked on it enough yet. So um, hearing that, I mean, cause I, you know, until, you know, you you really go and look at it and and break it down as to you know whether they're running zone runs or gap runs and stuff like that. Like it's not something that struck me when I was watching it and even trying to review it. But then hearing that, it starts to make a little bit more sense as to uh, as to you know what some of the uh, some of the struggles were and uh, and those guys felt after the first drive. You know, Aaron Jones had that. You know, there were a couple a couple of carries early. I think it was Jones and then Jaden Reed those first couple plays set up the third and 13, they had gone backwards a little bit. Then they hit the third and 13 to Romeo on the slant to keep that first drive going. And then, you know, Jones ripped off. I think it was like, you know, seven yards and then three yards and then another seven and maybe another eight or something like that. It was, it was a stretch of like four carries where I think he totaled like 25 yards and four carries. And, Runyon told me, you know, he says, Yeah, we, you know, we went to the sideline after that first drive and we're like, all right, this should be a really good day to run the ball. Like they were all feeling pretty good about it. And then, you know, it just they, you know, they just didn't they didn't find that rhythm that they were that they were hoping to find. And uh but I mean, but you know, they they know it, you know, they they were happy with uh with how they protected Jordan, but uh, but the guys up front, you know, they they felt that uh they felt that they definitely could have done better in the running game. And I asked Lafleur about it too, following up on the free hitter comment. And he said, and he also said, Hey, it wasn't always just the offensive line. Some of those free hitters were because the perimeter guys, receivers, tight ends, maybe somebody missed a block there. And then that's how the bears end up getting a free hitter. So um, that, uh, you know, so you, you kind of add it all up and, uh, and, you know, the bears won a lot of those, uh, a lot of those running plays, but, uh, you know, but what kind of uh, would really kept the Packers going, I think, offensively was, uh, was the pass protection. And so much was built off of Love being able to go through his progressions, you know, LaFleur even saying on some of those third downs, because they converted nine of the first 14 third downs before. And then obviously there was the one fourth down that turned into a touchdown, but they had two late misses on third down. So they converted nine of their first 14 and, LaFleur even said they were able to, you know, Love was even able to get to like his third or fourth option going through the progressions. And, and that's a credit to the protection that he could stand back there and, and scan the field and figure it out.
4: One thing I do want to say about Dylan real quick, we got to give him massive credit for that like zone pitch or whatever that he got, where he got smacked as soon as the ball was pitched to him. It was a loss. But if he doesn't, if he he doesn't how many times do we see players fumble that ball right there? Somehow he doesn't fumble that ball. That was still – I think that was like a 7-3 to three or 6-7 to seven game or whatever when that happened. And for him to hold on to the ball there, I can't remember what – I think we ultimately punted, but either way, just to hold on to the ball there and not fumble it, that's a huge, like, tipping point in the game that early in the game. So kudos to him on holding on to that ball so because he got laid out. So.
5: All righty, Jake, what about the red zone?
2: Oh, man, what a breath of fresh air after the last couple seasons with the struggles in the red zone. Mike will agree because he watched them struggle. <laughs> <laughs> so to start the season three for three in the red zone, I, you, you literally cannot dream up a better scenario. Honestly, you know, Mike keeps talking about the pass protection. You can't think of a better scenario for Jordan Love to come into with that kind of pass protection, right? And then we're going into this game and we're like, dang, man, no Christian Watson, no field stretcher. Yeah, I agree. agree. Um, And also, about that touchdown, the thing that I love about it is Love didn't give up on the play. He let the play develop, and actually on that play, uh, who was it? It was Musgrave was running running outside. You had Jones running outside, which takes the the corner and the linebacker down, and that's where we talked earlier where Eddie Jackson gets one-on-one and absolutely gets destroyed by Romeo Dubs, and Love just steps up in the pocket, hangs in there, hangs in there because he trusts his guys to protect him. He trusts Dubs to get open, and he throws an absolute perfect dart. So that was the eight-yard touchdown pass that he threw. He threw another one where Romeo Dubs dogged a guy in the corner, and I was like – I was freaking out. I was like, oh, God. Everything's going our way. I I feel like I need to go buy a lottery ticket right now because everything's just working. Uh, We also had a one-yard touchdown run with Aaron Jones, so that was nice. They showed multiple ways to, to score the football in the red zone. The one thing that I think that I would love is for us to have a tight end presence in the red zone. I think that's the one thing missing from this offense. And the scary thing for the rest of the NFL, putting you all on notice right now, we went three for three, right? That's 100%. There's so much growth possibility with this offense. It, it's, it's about to be scary hours pretty soon here, I think. Love can run it. We could put two running backs on the field. Also, I I do think that AJ Dillon's worth a second contract. We, we nobody talks about pass protection. I think Aaron Jones is actually pretty good at pass protection. But um, j- just that alone is, is makes him worth let it, and he's a pretty in, good receiving back.
5: Let me throw but, Christian Watson into that too. We didn't see him in the in the red zone at all. Yeah, we, we because he didn't play. They
2: got to have some gadget plays for Jaden Reed. They like to use him all over the field. They try to he can a nice little play with him. Where he actually. He actually got destroyed on a tackle, too. He could have fumbled that, too, being a rookie his first game, fast game, getting smacked by another rookie, uh, Bears rookie. But he ended up – that rookie ended up getting uh, his welcome to the NFL moment later in that game. But, uh, you know, I thought they were I thought they were great. They used a lot of different formations. They threw the ball. They, they ran the ball. I thought they were fantastic. And I just want to say, before that throw to Dubs, if Aaron Jones doesn't drop that screen, I think that's a touchdown. Yeah. I think that would have been love's first touchdown. Hit him right in the chest. He turns around. He says a big fat guy trying to catch him, right? He has three linemen in front of him. I think he was gonna he could have backpedaled into the end zone, to be honest with you. But you don't you know, think it's ended up
5: a like that. <laughs> Sorry.
2: Um, I just I think that uh, that would have been the first touchdown. I, thought, I think they were A plus in my opinion. They were awesome.
4: I want to talk about that that second Dobbs touchdown and I'm not making the comparisons or anything but I seen that exact same I throw from one guessing. Aaron Rodgers to to, jump to uh DeVonte Adams against the Cowboys and that yeah. like tell me tell me that love didn't learn some stuff from that was a absolute perfect throw right over that helmet of the defender yeah. like that was and Dobbs has such strong hands he showed that as a rookie too so it's just awesome to see so
3: I think he that showed that even in college that 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 was my that was my favorite thing about that second touchdown of Romeo's was was his hands and, and just and and seeing that um, and I I feel like I feel like that's a that's an area not to say that he, you know not to say that he didn't have strong didn't show some strong hands as a rookie but I think that's a part of his I think that's a part of his game that uh, um, that he already showed is uh, is on the upswing is is improving. And, uh, and it can, you know, it can take receivers a while to develop that, you know, I mean, I, you know, just thinking back recently, it, you know, it felt like it took to maybe year three or even year four, before we saw those kind of those kind of hands from, you know, from a guy like MVS on a play like that. And, uh, and here we're seeing it from Romeo in, uh, in game one of year two, in, uh, in a really clutch moment. I thought that was really good to see.
5: I feel pretty similarly about third-down offense as Jake does about the red zone offense. So looking at it on third and fourth down, the Packers in the box score were 10 of 18 on third and fourth down. But I'm going to take out the last two, the third and uh, the third and eight and the fourth and sixth. They were running just to kill clock at the end with Sean Clifford in the game. So I'm going to call them 10 for 16, which is 62.5%. Last week oh. I brought it up that I'm going to be looking for the Packers to be above 40. That's where the league average was last year. They were at 39.5. So, if, I mean, I don't expect them to continue to convert at 62%, but I'd be super excited. <laughs> um, We're going to win a lot of games. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jordan Love on third down, 8 for 10, 141 yards, two touchdowns, uh 158.3 passer rating. It's declared as a perfect passer rating. Um, the Packers scored all three times on third down in the red zone, scored touchdowns.
2: I just want to add something real quick. And I know that we're not trying to make the comparisons, but when Rodgers was first coming up, where was he really good? He was really good on the money down. He was really good on third down. And if Love has that same ability, oh, boy, the rest of the North is in for another 15-year stretch of uh, depression.
4: <laughs> Slow down a little bit.
2: <laughs> I know, I know. But when Rodgers was first coming up, he was really good on third downs.
3: But it's about – I mean, the game – you know, the the, the game – the game hinges on situational football, right? It's, it's what you do on third downs. It's what you do in the red zone. It's what, you know, do you get touchdowns or field goals? Do you, can you convert enough on third down to keep drives alive? I mean, the game is, the the game is so situational. And, uh, and if you, you know, if you win that situational game, uh, you know, versus your opponent, you're most likely going to win the game in general as well. So, uh, I mean the, the the Packers were the Packers were off the charts in terms of the situational execution um, in uh, in this game. And and uh, no, not every game is going to go like that, but it was certainly a great start.
4: Is there any sweeter sound than the Bears getting booed off their own field by the midway through the third quarter? Well, <laughs> they were booing in the second quarter. <laughs>
1: That's yeah, true. I
3: mean, if you're if if you're a Bears fan, if you're a Bears fan, I just have to say, I mean, you know, I don't want to belabor the point, but that had to be just a disheartening, discouraging yeah. performance. I mean, seriously, you know, you, you you go three and 14 the year before you have the number one draft pick. The front office decides, OK, we're putting everything behind this quarterback. We're going to trade the number one overall pick for a wide receiver and for a bunch of other draft assets. We're going to build this up you've got your biggest rival coming in week 1. They're making a transition to a new quarterback and all that and then that's the performance that you put out there. I mean that the the bears were the bears were not good and and uh um they've got I was I wasn't expecting, you know, the bears to suddenly look like world beaters out there coming off a 3 and 14 season, but I thought the bears were going to look better than that and they didn't. They 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 were they're a long long ways away.
2: I won't lie. Yeah. I was I was legit on my hands and knees like looking at my TV cry laughing after the Quay Walker pick six. I was like there's <laughs> no way this is happening in front of America right now. <laughs> like there's I did, I did not expect us to beat them like that. I thought maybe it would be a close game, like a low scoring close game, like both quarterbacks and all yeah. this stuff and but man oh man did we beat the brakes off them in the second half.
4: I <laughs> was so That's Hey, can Which you throw Cody's about? comment real quick? I just want to mention one yeah. thing about the clock. Did you guys see the one play where Jordan Love was super calm? He was coming to the line. You can see – I can't remember exactly what happened on the play. The The play clock was winding down. You see Matt LaFleur like freaking out, running up to the ref on the sideline. Yeah. You see Jordan is just totally calm and collected, snaps the ball. And I think he, that's one of the plays he threw for like a 10- or 15-yard gain or whatever and just moves along. But you see Matt like just losing his mind on the – getting ready to call time on the sideline because this is one of the things that drove everyone crazy last year or really the last several years with Aaron, but I thought we did a good job, but that, that play did make me crack up. I was laughing pretty good about it. So. All
5: right, Brian, what did you see from special teams?
4: I mean, I thought we kind of talked about Carlson. He was already in our, you know, underrated performer. Yep. I don't know that we could have asked for a really better performance. If you want to nitpick uh, some of the snaps were a little high, like, uh, Mike said on a couple of them were, you know, really good job by wheeling their holding. But then a couple of his punts, you'd like to see him keep out of the end zone. Um, if you want to if you want to like nitpick. But the kicking was phenomenal. And maybe it's only people that are kind of sick like us that literally read every tweet during the spring training and everything. And we're following Carl because, every you know, moderate Packers fans probably only seeing Carlson making all his kicks during preseason games. Well, field goals anyway, and like including 57 yarder. But to see him make all those kicks, some of them were like starting to, <laughs> he was putting the tail on some of the last ex, uh, extra points there. But either way, they went through, right? They counted. So, but on the 52 yarder, it was dead down the middle and it was probably good from 58 to 60 again. Um, Jaden Reed looks like he's going to be a strong punt returner. I want to talk about that punt return by Jaden Reed real quick. I thought it played a huge part and to uh, kind of put in the game away, right? So uh, we had just gone down, scored the touchdown out of the, the, Halftime break. The Bears go three and out. They punt to Jaden Reed. He has a 42-yard um returned or whatever it was to the Bears' 42-yard line. Four plays later. Aaron Jones is trotting in the end zone. And you might as well put the game away right there. It was 24 to 6 or whatever. So just to see that punt return. And I mean, everyone thought he was going to bounce. He turned that corner whew, straight up the sidelines. And he almost did that earlier on one of the catches he had. I thought there was one catch he had that he just barely stepped out of bounds that he probably left another 10, 15 yards on. He's kind of beating himself up about yeah, it. Too. I didn't
5: know about it yeah.
4: Just his speed and his turn and his explosiveness on the punt return was awesome to see. So I thought his overall special teams played great. You're you're always going to have Nixon trying to take the ball out um, from like all the way in the back of the end zone. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Young Waiku has a huge leg, so we'll see if you know he's taking him out deep. But I love Nixon's energy. I think he returned one run to the twenty-four yard line, and he just got up all pumped up, like he didn't care that if he would have kneeled that little into the twenty-five, he was just happy to return the ball. (laughs) I know. So I just love that guy. But overall, special teams, I thought they played pretty well. Um, Mm
5: -hmm. Mike, you have any thoughts on the special teams?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think Jaden Reed is uh, Jaden Reed is going to be a potentially big weapon on on punt returns, and I mean, you know the. You know, we watch we watch every training camp practice and and everything like that. And you you know you don't you don't really know what it's going to look like until it gets into live action. But the one thing the one thing that stood out from Jaden Reed from from the day he showed up when they were you know in OTAs without pads all the way through training camp all the padded practices is when he was back there on punt returns he just he looks so natural catching the ball. It's like it's like you know it's like he's been catching. You know, punts since he was four years old or something. It just it looks completely second nature to him. It's reminiscent to me of of uh, of watching uh, of watching Micah Hyde when he came in as a rookie in 2013. He it, he was the same kind of thing. It's just some guys, everything just looks natural when they're when they're catching the ball, even when the ball is wobbling or you know doesn't doesn't look perfect. And and like uh, um, and Jaden Reed falls into that category. And then to see him. Um, to see him have the one return for 15 and the other one for 35 um, up the sideline. I think it was, uh, I think you have to go back to um, somebody in insider inbox had sent in a message and pointed this out that I think you have to go back to Phil Epps in 1982 to find the last time a Packers rookie had a punt return of at least 35 yards oh, yeah. um, in, 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 game, in like week one um i was gonna say i would
5: have guessed randall cobb
3: but um but uh yeah sorry that's like a week one thing like see like like season opener as a rookie you know um but uh um but no I, i i think reed is gonna be i think reed's gonna be a factor on uh he's gonna be a factor on punt returns you know all year and uh um You know, I I I was impressed with the way Whelan was able to get the holds down for Carlson and and even the one that you know ended up going in the end zone. I mean, it's a 68 yard punt. It's still a 48 yard net. Trust me, Rich Pasaccio will take a 48 yard net on a punt any day of the week. Um, You know, that is not anything to uh, that's not anything to complain about there. So um, the uh, um, was something else I was going to mention and I uh, and I forgot um, forgot what it was now. Oh. Um, in my uh, in my what you might have missed piece that I post on Tuesdays with like the video clips and stuff like that, I thought it was really cool on that punt return. Um, uh, a couple things stood out. One, like Dallin Levitt completely flattened his guy, um, you know, right uh, just off to the side from where um, from where Reed caught the ball. Reed ended up running like the other direction, but if you actually look at the film, like Levitt completely flattened his guy on the other side. And then the key block to allow him to get up the sideline, uh, you know, kind of tiptoeing there for all the extra yards of all guys was actually Justin Hollins. And you're talking about a whatever he is, like a fifth, sixth year veteran. He's out there on special teams and he was actually the last guy coming back because he had he had rushed the punter all the way um when the punter got the ball off and so then he was kind of the last guy to come back and get involved in the blocking he turned around locked up the long snapper and uh and jaden reed runs right past uh right past the long snapper along the sideline for you know for that extra you know 12 to 15 yards at the end of that so just seeing a veteran guy like that justin Hollins, uh you know making uh you know making a play like that on special teams those are the kinds of things that uh that get noticed. And, uh, um, I, I, thought it was pretty cool to see.
2: I'm glad so you noticed. it. That's a veteran pair of eyes that you got there, Mike. <laughs> One day I, I hope to have those. <laughs> it, well,
3: well, it, it helps, is. it helps to be able to look at the all 22 the day after the game. I'll say that dude, I, I would, fortunately would have, that? the I have the access to that and I was able to, uh, um, I, I only have so much time on a Monday and this week I actually focused on, the defensive film and the special teams, which was why that was kind of my, I my okay. might've missed yeah. all focused on that. And I didn't get an, as much time to, uh, to really look at all the offensive stuff. So some of the stuff you guys have been pointing out with some of the offensive plays. And now I'm curious, like I feel like I got to go find the time maybe in my hotel room in Atlanta tomorrow night, I'll sit down and look at some of the offensive film and see what I missed.
2: You're going to love the Rasheed Walker hustle. I promise you that yeah'm I'm, lo- I'm looking
3: they, forward to that I gotta check that out
2: they have uh they have the all 22 version on NFL plus which Tyler and I just got so it's okay. I was actually watching yeah. that when I was uh taking my notes I was like oh I love this so much right now
5: and Jake and I Jake and I tried our hand at breaking some plays down this week which I
2: don't know. I think we did all right man for our first time I think we're just, we're just getting our feet wet we'll be all right was it uh, was Simon said he's, he's, he's got to go so
5: he said uh he'll see you later um so hey, Simon. Hopefully,
4: he's, hopefully he's available the next time we have you on so sure it Trevor davis that had a punt return did he have a punt return for a touchdown in atlanta maybe we can repeat that from jayden Reed. or maybe it was just a big punt return i was at yeah, the game he he had a good, yeah the
3: game. when yeah down in down in atlanta that was uh that was in the georgia dome actually that was before mercedes-benz was built but yeah trevor davis had a nice punt return in atlanta he didn't score but uh but yeah had a nice return there So we've
5: kind of touched on some of the guys in the secondary already. One of them, Darnell Savage, his tackling was actually a really big part of this game. We kind of touched on Rasul Douglas's tackling. Um, Really, Justin Fields, and this is part of play calling, but also part of credit to the Packers secondary. Justin Fields did not have very many downfield options. Um, And then Savage, right before the end of the first quarter, sniffed out a big screen. That is one of the plays that Jake and I broke down was basically as soon as the running back starts motioning behind fields, Savage breaks and takes off for the tackle, and I think he forced like a six or seven-yard loss um, on that play. Uh, Rasul Douglas, you mentioned already the pass breakup that he had on Cole Komet. um, Mentioned Keyshawn Nixon making Chase Claypool a complete non-factor and tackling Darnell Mooney for a loss on a screen. Um, And really the only thing I will say – is in the second half. First is what I would say is the only miscommunication that I saw on a zone defense play that allowed Darnell Mooney to score the one touchdown was between uh, Nixon and Douglas. That was really the only, I guess, if you want to use the word complaint, but I would say the miscommunication uh, in the zone defense was really the only bad thing that I saw from the secondary. And then I just wanted to point out, that later in the game, the Packers have a bunch of backups in. Like Carrington Valentine and Ennis Gaines are playing defensive snaps in the red zone, and it's first and goal, and Justin Fields rolls out, and he still has nowhere to go with the ball. So I was impressed to see that. Mike, I don't know if there's anything you want to throw out there about the secondary because you uh, did a little more defensive review.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, you you pretty much covered it. Like I said before, I think, uh, you know, um, Nixon – um, you know, there, there was obviously some kind of a breakdown there, whether it was Nixon or Douglas or with with uh, the responsibility. It was it was clearly a zone coverage on the touchdown to Mooney. But um, but what I liked what I like best about uh, what I like best about just the way the secondary as a whole played in this game is 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 the way they attack the line of scrimmage. And I think that I think that's partly that was partly a, a game plan thing because the Bears do throw so many horizontal throws you know the bubble screen game the uh this the the swing passes to the running backs out of the backfield a lot of that offense is is throwing the ball horizontally so you 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 know as a as a secondary it doesn't do any good to be you know 12 15 yards off the line of scrimmage like attack the line of scrimmage and 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 uh and play it that way and i thought nixon did that on the bubble screens i thought savage did that you know those guys were those guys were triggering and they were attack attacking when that ball went, uh, went horizontally. And, um, um, you know, you're not going to be able to play every game like that. Cause that, you know, like I say, that is a game plan thing. Not all offenses are going to uh, are going to throw the ball horizontally as much as the bears do. Um, so we'll see what happens this week with, you know, Drake London and, and Kyle Pitts and, you know, a completely different. Uh, For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. You know, cast of uh, of pass catchers for the Falcons uh, and, and a different type of scheme, but uh, um, but you know those guys those guys uh, you know talked all training camp about playing aggressively, and then this this first game and and with the way the Bears you know um, throw the ball horizontally more so than vertically, I thought they uh, you know they took that aggression to the hilt. So, Jake, how did you feel about
5: the defense against the run?
2: Oh, man! Oh, man! So. We, a little behind the scenes for you, we all drafted our topics, right? And the first two that popped in my head was red zone offense and rush defense. Those are the two consistent things that we really struggled with the last couple of years, right? We gave up a ton of yards before contact, a ton of yards after contact, and it was just kind of getting sickening. Same thing with the red zone offense. It's like, why are we running this? Why are we running this? Why are we doing this? So the run defense, oh, baby. Chef's kiss. It was freaking tremendous. And Tyler's going to get a little bit more in depth with the tackling. But I just want to say to start this off, they had five plays of zero or negative yards running the ball. That is an offense that runs the ball a ton. So if they don't get that going, they're not one-dimensional. They're (laughs) zero-dimensional. They got nothing after the run game because you know what Justin Fields is going to do. He's going to tuck that thing. He's going to run. He made some tremendous plays. I love Justin Fields' athleticism. I love him as a person. Shout out to him, by the way, for giving up his ticket so Jordan Love's mom could be really, uh, closer to, to watch his, his first start. That was really cool. And Tyler and I have said this a million times. He's a great guy. He's just not a great quarterback. I don't think that the offensive scheme is helping him. I hate when offenses stretch you horizontally, like Mike was just talking about. I don't think you're getting anywhere that way. I think a little bit of balance of vertical and horizontal is where you got to be, which the Packers do a ton of, obviously, too. But, um, yeah, that offense is not great. But with the run defense, I just want to say that LVN and Wyatt were standouts, in my opinion. They were consistently in the backfield. I'm going to get into the D-line a little bit more uh, later. But I also thought that Hollins had great pursuit all day. He was down the line hustling, making tackles on the backside, the backside defense. Oh, my God. I cannot tell you how many times in my life I have yelled backside, backside, backside at my goddamn television because nobody's covering backside. Also, you could see the effect of Rashawn Gary on the field immediately. That guy's heart beats for the entire team. When he gets on the field and he's just manhandling another human being, everybody else in the defense is like, Yep, Rashawn's here. Guess I better step my game up. He's just one of those people to me. And you could tell that it goes through everybody. And then you have Jair chirping, and everybody's here. I love this defense. The potential is outstanding. Obviously, eight first-round picks, you should be pretty good, but LVN tremendous at setting an edge. Already you could tell that he he got that coached into him in college. And Iowa, as much as I like to dog them, they're kind of like the Chicago Bears, me in college football. They can coach some football over there. Uh, especially on defense. So LVN and Wyatt for me get the gold stars. Hollins was tremendous. And, you know, we already brought up uh, Nixon. But, uh, yeah, he was pretty good, too. He's got the dog in him. And I'm a little disappointed, but I also feel good that uh, Mike brought up that Rasul Douglas was the best tackler because, man, one-on-one, I don't think he missed one on Sunday.
5: And the other thing as far as tackling goes, I think they got – Miles better as the game went on. So I counted it up while I was rewatching the game. I counted nine missed tackles in the first half, only four in the second half. So uh, uh, literally cut them in half the amount that
4: they missed in the second half compared to the first half. So I thought that was great. Uh, How many of those were probably attributed to if it wasn't if it was any other quarterback, we probably have eight sacks that game. So I'm telling you, bro, back to kind of Justin Fields'. (laughs) athleticism. Like there's one towards the goal line where he turned around and still made a, uh, there's a Devontae Wyatt or whoever he got away with. I was like, how did he not get (laughs) sacked? It's just, so yeah, I love when
3: I watch, when I watch Justin Fields in the pocket and the way he gets away, it's like, it, it reminds me of it reminds me of the Karate Kid where they're trying to catch the flies with the chops. <laughs> that's I mean, seriously, like that's what it, like you're you're just you're just like how in the world are you going to catch this guy? Like it it looks like it looks impossible sometimes. And then the one time Rashawn Gary just absolutely yeah. buries Justin Fields, you know, for yep. a sack. It yep. ends up doesn't count because they have twelve guys on the field. But yeah. credit I to Gary, them, like. Even with the flag flying and the Bears were trying to get a free play, he was having none of these. He's like, You guys aren't getting a free play. I'm getting a free shot at your quarterback.
1: I, I <laughs> literally
4: thought
3: during that. I was like, I'll take that five-yard penalty if we're just gonna smoke
4: your quarterback. So yeah. like, okay, that's
5: what I said to Jake. I'm like, yeah, yes, you have the penalty and you know it's a penalty, but your quarterback just got leveled by Rashawn Gary. Like if you're the Bears, like does that even feel like a win to you to be moving five yards forward? <laughs>
2: He's not a normal quarterback. He takes enough hits the way it is because he runs the ball so much. So, I mean, yikes. It's like trying
4: to sack Ben Roethlisberger, but he runs a 4-5.
2: Ben Roethlisberger was a freaking brick, dude. He was tough (laughs) to bring down.
5: All right, Jake. So, looking at the defensive line and the pass rush, you kind of already touched on some of the guys, and we talked about some of the sacks by the rookies and stuff. But uh, what's out to you from the defensive line and the pass
0: rush?
2: So, I'm going to make a basketball reference you know, sometimes they say that guys have a, a, a loud 20, right? You know, Chris Middleton can have a loud 20 because he hits a bunch of threes, big-time shots. I feel like the defensive line, they had six tackles total together, the starting D-line, I'm talking. TJ Slayton, uh, Kenny Clark, and Devontae Wyatt, I already told you his stats. They only had six tackles total. That was the loudest six tackles I think I've ever seen in my entire life because every damn snap they were in the backfield Or hitting somebody or reading the play correctly they were bothering justin fields all day i thought the defensive line was tremendous i love the attitude of tj slayton now he's got he's riding a fine line with as much talking as he's doing because he was talking a bunch i don't know if anybody else noticed that but he was always pointing he was i'm here he was i'm sure you're saying other words that are not appropriate for kids to hear right now but um, he he was talking. So if he could stay on that line of attitude and, and using it in the correct way, I think T.J. Slade is going to be a tremendous nose tackle. I love Kenny Clark at D end. And if Devontae Wyatt, and I know this is a big if, and I hate doing ifs, but that's the business we're in, and that's sports, right? If 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 Devontae Wyatt is the Devontae Wyatt we saw on Sunday, his defense is going to be so goddamn good, dude. Holy crap! Uh, you want me to go right into the pass rush right yep, away? Go
5: right into it. Marry them together. Oh,
2: I got to tell you, Bryant stole my thunder a little bit because the first line that I wrote in here is literally any other quarterback but Justin Fields and his amazing athletic ability, we might have 10 sacks. (laughs) That is how much we were in the backfield. The Bears' offensive line is horrid. It is, I mean, I mean, Darnell Wright is very good. Pretty sad that he's already your clear-cut best offensive lineman.
5: He should not be playing guard either, by the way.
2: He's he's their best. It's not even close, and that is so bad. Their left tackle, Braxton Jones, garbage. I'm sorry, I, I have to say it. He's garbage. He's terrible.
5: He got three penalties.
2: He had three penalties, and he got his quarterback killed all day and his running backs. Although I do want to say, Tyler, that we didn't bring up Justin Fields is going to get his wide receivers killed by all his oh, throws.
5: I definitely said that,
2: but I just remember you saying that to me the other he's day. You got to stop throwing um,
5: balls high. He's going to get his receivers killed.
2: He is. So we ended up getting four sacks for for a total of 27 yards. And here's the pass rush win rate, according to PFF. (laughs) This is stupid. (laughs) Rashawn Gary, 44%. Carl Brooks, 15.8%. Devontae Wyatt, 13.6%. Kenny Clark, 12.5%. Yeah, pro bowler. Kenny Clark, is that low on the list? That's not good news for you. Justin Hollins, 11.8%. And wooden eight point three percent. That that's that, that's all bad for you. That's all bad. All of that is bad. Also, Justin Fields was under pressure on fifty three percent of his dropbacks.
5: That's ridiculous. He threw the ball thirty seven times. Fifty
2: three percent, dude. Oh my goodness! And then your first read's gone because Jair Alexander's covering him, and you know he's not looking at his second read. It's done. That game was horrible. I'm sorry, Chicago fans actually i'm not sorry to the fans i'm sorry to like the actual bears players because they have to play there and deal with the terrible fans but you know it is what it is
5: brian what about the red zone defense
4: so you you and uh, mike kind of broke down the one play really well towards the you know the end of the game so that our defense was so good they only had two trips to the red zone early and the one was the darnell mooney touchdown pass from uh the 20 has late in the game. I think we were up 24 to six. I, it gave them a little bit of thunder, but we immediately like that bounce back drive was probably my favorite drive of the whole game. Um, but the one I, we want to talk, I want to talk about it was seven, three bears had a first and eight our first and goal from the eight yard line. Then it became a second and goal from the four yard line. And that's when LVN, I don't know if Justin Fields just didn't do his tape study and realize that LVN is a very fast individual, but that sack, on that play was amazing, like to chase oh, him God. down all the way to the sidelines and just. And I mean, how many times have she seen someone get it, their arm around Justin, but he keeps running? Nope. LVN was not letting him go. He's slowing him right to the ground, made it like at the 11 yard line. And now um, oh, they ended up kicking the field goal right to the to make ma- let us maintain the lead. And that that played to Chicago never leading in the entire game, right? So that was that was the one big like red zone opportunity that Chicago had and we shut him down um so uh,
2: we did you notice you know, something about that play did you notice something about that play mm. half of the offensive line was run blocking and the other half was pass blocking oh that's right oh yeah, yeah. I know what to do come was like what are we doing here uh he was kind of just standing there in no man's land and I just love watching LVN. Yeah, the quarterback school guy yeah.
4: breakdown or whatever that play is pretty funny. Um, but I, yeah, I believe
2: I, I,
3: sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. I, I think Justin Fields absolutely thought he was going to be able to run and turn the corner on L, on LVN. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't think he had any idea that Van Ness was going to be quick enough to, to wrap him up, uh, like that and not even give him a chance. To uh, you know, to get outside and and to get around the corner, there he was. I think he was completely blown away by the speed. Yeah. So
4: we're talking about Justin Fields being, you know, a quarterback that's two hundred and twenty or thirty pounds or whatever, four or five. Well, LVN's two hundred and seventy-five pounds. He's also runs a four or five. So yeah. So <laughs> unfortunately, he couldn't get away. Well, fortunately for us, he could not get away. But that was the one big red zone oh, opportunity man. that the Bears had in the game. It was a huge moment because if they score a touchdown there, it's ten to ten to seven. Um, which means we probably end up ha- tied at halftime, you know, and you never know what could go on with the game. So I thought that was a huge – it was nice to see. We'll see if we can uh, – Atlanta now in the, on the flip side had three red zone opportunities against Carolina, went three for three. So all fed through the running back. So that will be a big thing that we have to uh, watch out for in this game.
5: All right, Brian, or Jake, to wrap up the defense, how are they on third down?
2: Third down? Here we go. Third down. We gave up three of 13, which is like good, by the way. Uh, the one one of the third downs that they picked up actually was a missed tackle by Jair Alexander. So it was like, eh, but you can't complain that much. That was just, that was again, where we're talking about Justin Fields athleticism and Mike talked about, made a great analogy of trying to sack him. It's, it's tough, right? Um, and he made a lot of great runs uh, actually to, to salvage someplace. Um, and then, it's third down slash fourth down defense. They were one of two on fourth down, but I'm not really coming back. So it's kind of late in the game. But um, I just want to talk about the first third down that we faced that kind of set the tone for this game, in my opinion. And they tried to do a little little sneak with uh, Komet up the middle, but they weren't having that. The defensive line got low. They won that. And Campbell, Quay, and Preston Smith noticed it almost immediately. They were moving before Komet got there. And I thought that was tremendous by them to recognize that stuff, that play. Obviously we stopped them on fourth down. That was their first fourth down. That they you know, tried. you know who else,
3: you know, who else saw that and was moving before the snap. You were, you had to watch the film really, really closely. TJ Slayton saw that. I know dude. If you, dude, he, if you if, you, if you look at the film, when, when Commet comes across slate, you know, Slayton's down in a four point stance, and you can see on the film, like, his head comes up like this. Like, his eyes are up watching Komet. And right before the snap, as Preston is crashing in from his right, TJ actually shifted a little bit, you know, even further to oh. his left to crash into the middle there as as Walker and Campbell, like you said, were yep. coming from, from second level. TJ Slayton saw it from the four-point stance and actually shifted over and got right in the middle of that thing too. They, oh, they, were, so, they were so ready for that. They were so ready for that. They saw they saw it coming. They knew it and they yeah. saw it.
2: Yeah. So I thought that was a, a big tone setter in this one, that, that first third down and Mike, I'm close. I'm close. I'm going to, I'm going to have those eyes like you, man. I was close, <laughs> but um, yeah, just tremendous stuff. And then obviously right away we go down, we score a touchdown and that kind of is just like, okay, we're here to play. We're the better team. Let's do this thing. Right. So I just wanted to say that that first third down was uh, beautiful to watch, and it was again a big tone setter.
5: So, Mike, is there anything else you wanted to say on the defense as far as the Bears game goes?
3: Yeah, I mean, I just I, I think to to echo what you said. I mean, I I thought I thought that opening drive really set the tone. Um, you know the when you look at the you you look at what the defense and special teams did in this game, the Packers had three offensive possessions thanks to defense and special teams that started in plus territory and they actually weren't able to take advantage of one of them after the uh the the fumble by fields but after the fourth down stop and after the 35-yard punt return two drives that start in plus territory those end up being two of your four touchdowns um in the game and you know when when your defense and special teams give you the ball on the other side of the fifty three times in one football game, you've got a really darn good chance to win the game. And and uh, you know the offense would have liked to have gone three for three in those situations, or even at least gotten a field goal off of the one instead of not getting anything. But uh, um, but the defense and special teams set up Jordan Love in really good position most of the day.
4: And that's a good. Not to toot my horn, but that was my key to my game last when we did this last week was points off turnovers. And exactly if, if it wasn't, I think it was just a, you know, probably who knows, maybe a, it was Devondre Campbell, or something pulled someone off a pile and they pushed them those 15 yards back, but could have easily been three for three on turnovers. And that just completely swung the game.
5: Yeah. That's, that's where I'm looking at coaching. And I'll say that that one, like some of the, the personal fouls that the Packers had were just disciplined things. Um, like the first one that we got was for retaliating at Lucas Patrick, who got in Jair's face after pushing Justin Fields out of bounds uh, while he was still a good two yards inbounds, which was, it is what it is.
3: Hey, that's Luke, That's Luke. That's Lucas though. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I have to say I love Lucas Patrick. I, you know, and I don't blame him one bit for sticking up for his quarterback there. It's week one, your rival is here. I mean, you know, Lucas, Lucas is going to do that. And yeah, it turned into a little bit of a melee and whatever, but that is totally Lucas Patrick to a T like, and if he's on, if he's on your side, you want him sticking up for your quarterback like that too, whether the hit was legal or illegal. And it was clearly legal. He was in bounds, but, but Lucas, Lucas is a good dude. You want, you want him doing that if he's on your team.
5: So the Packers, I think it was Slayton that got a retaliatory penalty for getting back up into his face after that. Um, the other one, a face mask, those, those happen. You're never going to be able to completely avoid those for an entire season. And then the Rudy Ford one, uh, just not a good choice. He was mad because he got run over by Roshan Johnson and just kind of let the frustration get to him. Um, and then the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty after the pick six, that one, I kind of chalk up to just the emotions of week one and just kind of a high a high level situation. So overall, I think some of them were disciplined, like disciplinary things where it's just like, Hey, like you just can't do that. And then some of them are just kind of not going to be avoided. Um, as far as consistency goes, I just think we need more games before I can really say that they're consistently doing anything. Um, two things in the second half that I saw get way better. One, I already mentioned was tackling and then two was the offensive balance. We already talked about Aaron Jones getting way more touches in the second half. um, As far as coaching goes, the only complaint that I really have was almost letting the time run out in the first half after Love got sacked. Um, And then, kind of touched on this already too, the Packers being much closer to the line of scrimmage against wide receivers and DJ Moore being an absolute non-factor after his first two catches. Um, As far as time of possession goes, it was almost perfectly even. I will say the Bears did a better job of sustaining drives In the first half than the Packers did, the Packers had back-to-back three and outs at one point. Um, And then the last thing that I'll say on the coaching is I think uh, Joe Barry did a very good job of balancing zone and man defense. And the only touchdown that came off of the zone defense was a miscommunication. So, Mike, is there anything you want to say about anything coaching related or time of possession related before we switch into the preview?
3: Yeah. I mean, you know, LaFleur, LaFleur took the blame, uh, you know, for the, for the end of the first half after the sack, he said, he, you know, he didn't get a, didn't get a play into love soon enough so that they could uh, you know, that they could try to keep rolling and, and get a little bit closer before they had to use that last time out. And it was, I thought it was kind of funny because he, he said, he said, Jordan actually let him, you know, let him kind of have it at halftime, obviously not out <laughs> on the field in front of the cameras, but, but Jordan wasn't happy that uh, you know, that he didn't get to run another play after that uh after that sack and and LaFleur told him he's like, Yeah, you know, that's that that's my bad, you're right, you know. And uh um so uh, you know, they they uh they sorted they sorted that one out. The other thing you mentioned, uh you mentioned DJ Moore being a non factor. You know, I sit up with uh with Wes in the press box next to me and he he pointed out to me a couple of times in the fourth quarter, he, you know, and it's, it wasn't on camera on the TV, but we were watching um, DJ Moore after a couple plays, like his, his body language was absolutely terrible. Like he, he was, he was so frustrated. There were a couple of plays in the fourth quarter where he felt he had gotten free and then fields decided to scramble and didn't throw the ball. And, and uh, um there was there was some there was there was frustration and bad body language going on from the from the Bears' new number one receiver. So that'll just be something to something to pay attention to as the season goes along because he's got a lot of high hopes for uh, you know for what he wants to do there, and the Bears have a lot of high hopes for him. But it was uh, but it was not a good start for uh, for DJ Moore.
2: That's an expensive so, crybaby, in my opinion.
3: <laughs> um. So Mike,
5: going forward, just talking about Jordan Love specifically, is there anything from week one to week two as we transition into talking about the Falcons? Is there anything from Jordan Love's development that you're really looking for?
3: Well, yeah. I mean, I was I was asked this, you know, this week in the Insider Inbox column too, and you know, I don't. I guess I just I don't I don't dive too much into the into the weeds and anything. I mean, I I, I think ultimately what's going to decide you know, kind of where Jordan Love is or where he gets to in his development, you know, in this first year is, uh, is what happens in, what happens in crunch time when some of these games come down to the last, you know, five, six minutes of the fourth quarter and whatnot. Obviously this first game was not one of those. Um, The only, the only kind of taste of that, uh, you know, in the urgency type situation that we saw was the drive at the end of the first half. And, I thought that was a really good example of, of, you know, what can happen to a young quarterback where on one play he's converting a big third down to Jaden Reed to keep that drive alive and to put him in field goal range and give him a chance to get points before half. Then a couple of plays later, he's taking a sack that you can't take in that situation, you know? And if that kind of stuff happens in a two minute drill at the end of a game, you know, the one play that big third down conversion can win a game, taking that sack that could lose a game, you know? And so we just have to see, we just have to see there are going to be, I don't know when it's going to happen. Nobody knows when it's going to be. There are going to be a handful of games that are going to come down to the ball in Jordan Love's hands, whether trailing or tied or whatever the situation might be, you know, in the last five minutes of a game where he's going to have to get something done, you know, with the offense as a whole in order for the Packers to win the game come out victorious. And, and uh, you know, to me that that's what I'm going to be watching because, uh, you know, ultimately over time, that's what's, that's what separates, you know, the good quarterbacks and the guys with all the stats and everything from the great ones who get wins is what you do when the game is on the line. And, and, you know, in this league, those five or six games every year that come down to the last five minutes, those are the, those are the games that decide whether you end up you know, 11 and six or six and 11, you know, because there isn't that much difference in this league between those teams. And usually it comes down to, you know, what is, what is this team's record, you know, in crunch time that usually determines what your record is for the season.
5: That's right You just tossed out 11 and six and six and 11. I think it's totally within the realm of possibility that all four teams in the NFC North finish within those five games.
3: Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I would agree. I, it wouldn't, in some ways it wouldn't surprise me if nobody in the NFC North actually gets to 11 wins. Um, And, but by the same token uh, it would not, it would not surprise me at all. If uh, you know, if nobody in the NFC North is, you know, in that three and 14, four and 13 territory where the bears were last year, I think uh, I agree with you. I think, I think there could be some, you know, some uh, some clubs that are, that are tightly bunched, when this uh, thing is all said and done.
5: Jake, Brian, is there anything you want to add to that as far as Jordan Love is concerned?
4: Uh, I think uh, kind of talking about you, know, you jumping into my preview a little bit, but just I think Jordan Love, this might be one of those games where Jordan Love has a chance towards the end of the game to, to either win it or you know possibly make a mistake. So I look forward to this game because I think it's going to be a, a bigger challenge for sure.
2: Uh, I'm a big third down guy. I'm a big red zone guy, so those are the areas I'm going to be watching Jordan Love uh, closely. Obviously, I think that first and second down matter too, but third downs are big to me. So third down and red zone, man, we're gonna to have to see what Love has.
5: It's really gonna be as far as for me as far as the offense is concerned. I really want to see more of the same in a lot of aspects, like the passing game distribution, more of the same, yep. like just yep. spread it out rookie tight ends. I really just want to see Luke Musgrave running more polished routes. I'd like to see Tucker Craft get a few more snaps. He only had 13 snaps in week one. I'd like to see him get a few more. Um, third downs, do the same thing. Carolina, too, you know, as bad as they looked last week as a football team, they looked bad, but they still converted 5 of 14 on, on third down, which doesn't sound great when you, when you uh, say 5 of 14, but it's 36%. Packers were 39 and a half last year and I just want them to be over 40. So it's not far off. So if, if Carolina and their horrible football team can manage five first down conversions, I think the Packers will be just fine.
4: Um, Jake, is there anything else you're looking for from the offense? Yeah. Well, sorry for one thing too, with Atlanta, or I mean, Carolina kind of like looking, I know you said you want to see a lot of the same. I want to see a lot of the same in the passing game, but I, I do, Atlanta won the only shining spot for Carolina was their run game. I think both running backs average like almost five yards of carry. So I'll be looking like whether it is Jaron Jones, Wilson, and um, Aaron, AJ Dillon, you know what I mean? I, I want to, we need to establish, we need to run the ball a little more on first or second down, you know, get that rolling.
2: I mean, the run game is important in the Matt LaFleur offense. So I agree with you there. Um, for me, what I'm looking for from the offense uh like I said, like you said, man, just spread the love. And I'm not going to be the first one to say that, but <laughs> I just wanted the, to. The love going to get,
5: fly fast and loose. It's going to happen. Yeah, I,
2: I had to get one out there. Um, so spread the love, get everybody involved, keep everybody happy. Uh, if Aaron Jones is on the field, probably look for Aaron Jones because he's really good. And for some reason he's always underrated, which makes zero sense to me. Same thing with Drew Holiday on the Bucks. Why is he always underrated? I don't know. Maybe it's because it's a Wisconsin thing, I guess, but um get Aaron Jones the ball uh stay on time with with your passing and I think we're gonna be okay I'm I'm really not that worried about this game I don't think Atlanta's ready
5: Mike what are you looking for for the Packers offense against the Falcons defense
3: yeah I mean I'm, I'm with you guys as far as far as the running game and you know with with the running game not going as well as as they wanted it to against the Bears, and when you look at you look at Week One that that Falcons Panthers game, Panthers rushed for 154 yards and and against Atlanta, and only 17 of those were the quarterback, you know, the rookie quarterback Bryce Young running around and scrambling. I mean, the the two backs for Carolina, Sanders and and Hubbard they averaged, you know, five yards of crack um, all game long. And and quite frankly, Carolina was, was just undone by the, by the turnovers. They lost the turnover battle three to nothing and, and found themselves down 17 to 10, you know, because of those three turnovers before, you know, Atlanta put the game away with, uh, with another touchdown late. So the, just, uh, you know, looking at those numbers uh, you know, I got to believe the Packers should be able to run the ball on these guys and, And then if they if they can run the ball, the play action that uh, the play action that they can execute off of it. I mean, there is there's no better way, especially on the road, you know, trying to take a crowd, uh, you know, indoors in a dome. As loud as it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of excitement for the Falcons, uh, you know, with what with what they hope to be building down there. There's no better way to take a crowd out of a game than to be able than to be able to run the ball. And then and then hit play action passes off of that because the fans sit there and then and they start seeing, oh, this these guys look pretty efficient. Like things look sharp, you know. I mean there's nothing that looks sharper in a football game than a well executed play action pass. And play action passes look sharp when the running game is working so that the play action is actually effective. And I think that's what this game comes down to for the Packers being efficient on offense.
5: I think we need to a sucker for play action. There's like, oh. if you've, if you watched our film before, like there's no sugarcoating it. Like I love play action.
4: You just Suck need to make it. sure we know where Jesse Bates is at pretty much every, all times. And I think, mm-hmm.
3: I mean, he, he, he thing. was, he got all three of the turnovers, the three zero in the turnovers was, it was Jesse Bates three and, and Carolina zero. I mean, he had two interceptions, had a forced fumble. The, uh the care, uh, Atlanta's first 17 points in the game were all off of those three turnovers uh I mean Je- Jesse Bates is the guy Jesse Bates is the guy who won that game for the Falcons I mean that that big free agent contract they gave him uh you know to to take him away from Cincinnati they feel like uh you know every dime of that was well spent at this point after one game the way he uh the the, the debut that he had for the Falcons last week Kind of wish he
5: was wearing green and gold not gonna lie he's pretty good. All right, so switching to the defense, for the secondary and the tackling, as far as they go, just really just don't get beat downfield. Um, Jake and I talked about this in some of the breakdowns we did. The Packers did a really great job of rallying to the ball. And this is going to be, you know, as far as downfield goes, uh, Drake London and Kyle Pitts are really their only weapons, as far as I'll say as downfield goes. Um, Drake London had one target last week. And then as far as tackling goes, this this factors into where the running backs come in. But they just need to be the team they were in the second half. Only the four missed tackles instead of nine in the first half. But looking at it, only four targets and two receptions were by Pitts and London. But nine of nine to Algier and Bijan Robinson. So those two are going to be heavily featured. And the tackling on the secondary needs to keep a lid on that. And they need to be sure tackling because if you let those guys break tackles, this game could get rough. So just sure tackling and just really knowing and having an awareness of where they are at all times. So, Jake, Bryant, Mike, anything you guys are looking for from the Packers defense?
4: I think you uh, kind of hit that you nail know, on the head. A lot of people are talking about, oh, Desmond Ritter, six games and throwing an interception. He also only has three touchdown passes in six games. He also doesn't, I think, two out of six games, he's eclipsed 200 yards. So I think this is one of those one of those games, again, he's efficient, don't get me wrong, He high completion percentage. This is one of those games, again, that it's like make their quarterback prove they can beat you. Desmond Ritter it, is what Colin Coward thinks Jordan Love is. Yeah. So you, it's it's going to be – my matchup is the linebackers versus B. John Robinson and Tyler Algeer. If they can slow them down. I don't know if you guys seen that move. I'm sure you did the move that Bijan John Robinson scored yeah. a touchdown. On. That was nasty. Right. So, we got do, right? Gonna um, so really it's going to come down to really, can we slow down Tyler Algeer? Let's let's Desmond Ritter has not proved. He had one good game where he had two touchdowns. Um, and um, he's like, Oh, I don't want to jump into my Simon says but um Easy. Yeah, <laughs> he. I feel like we need to make him beat us. I feel like you need to play the wide receivers up, up close to the line of scrimmage, kind of like we did. Um And you maybe a lot, of, a little, lot of man to man to to load the box a little more and just make him prove that he's going to beat us.
2: Mike, do you have anything? Or I'll go...
3: yeah, I was just going to say, I I think I think uh, defensively, this this game comes down to the tackling. Um, You know because because Robinson is going to make guys miss. Um, Kyle Pitts is not easy to bring down, uh, you know, if he if he gets loose downfield at all. Um, Cordell Patterson, if he's involved, you know, in the running game, he is not an easy guy to tackle. Um, and, it, and they're going to make some guys miss. There are going to be missed tackles in this game. I think what it comes down to is do you have enough guys rallying to the ball to where a missed tackle – you know doesn't become a 25 or 30 you know rupture into a big gain um does is there another guy there or another couple of guys there so if somebody misses the tackle it just results in a in a few extra yards you know are because these these guys they're they're going to make guys miss that's what that's what makes them good that's that's uh, um that's you know how they've how, you know, and certainly with Robinson, it's how he's going to make his name in the NFL is by being by being a slick, slippery guy that is that is tough to bring down. The question is, when he makes you miss, how big of a play is it going to be? How big of a play are you giving up when that happens? And uh, um, and if the Packers can limit the damage when those guys are able to make somebody miss, then I think the defense will be just fine.
5: We have not been shy about it that we we all are in consensus agreement that B.
3: John Robinson is gonna be a superstar.
2: Yeah.
3: I mean, in another in another era, in another era that that puts more value on running backs, I mean that that guy's the number one pick in the draft.
1: You know, sure. I mean,
3: he he, he is. He just it just happens to be twenty twenty three and the NFL game isn't played the way it used to be played. But that guy, that guy is the number one overall pick. If, uh, if he's part of a different
2: generation. All right, let me go now. Now, now I know I'm going to sound smart, so I'm going to sound like Mike right now. <laughs> so, run defense, I legitimately have written down, continue to gang tackle, because I thought that was an underrated part in the Bears game. Because it was. A lot of people were rallying to the football, not allowing big plays. That's what helped with not missing tackles, to Tyler's point. So, for third down, obviously third downs matter i've i've hammered this home third downs are so so vital you have a quarterback that threw for 115 freaking yards last week and he won a football game put him in some down and distance situations okay let's see if he let's see if he can win and then for pass rush i have the pressure numbers were insane against the bears obviously i went over those to be able to mimic that every week would be insane <laughs> we would probably go undefeated if everybody was getting to the quarterback at that clip But getting a Gary that's going to get more healthy, these young rookies are going to uh, get more consistent with it. I think, you know, keep the pass rush numbers up, get after a young quarterback that obviously hasn't turned the ball over yet. He's going to get one this week. Um, And, you know, with Jordan Love, like I said, spread the love. But defense, just play fast, play physical. That's what they did last week. That's what I'm looking for again.
4: He took four sacks last week, and I don't think he'll be able to escape like Justin Fields. So I think – Maybe a few forced fumbles. Maybe a maybe Gary will get us first you know strip sack
2: fumble of the season. You know, guys, I I try to plan my stuff. You guys are <laughs> jumping all over my page here, and I don't know what to say now.
3: <laughs> so I'm with, I'm with you guys. I'm with you guys. You got to make you got to make Desmond Ritter beat you. I actually made the comment in the Insider Inbox column this morning. I mean, he's a he's a he's a young talented quarterback. And maybe he's good enough to beat the Packers, but you got to find out if he's good yeah. enough to beat yeah. you. Or not. You know, you can't you can't let you can't let their strength, which is their which is their running game and, and those playmakers, you can't let their strength beat you. If they're going to beat you, you got to make somebody else do it. And uh, and we'll see if uh, you know. I I think the Packers are going to make Ritter throw the ball more than uh, certainly more than he did last week. And uh, and we'll see what uh, we'll see what happens.
5: So this is, like, one of the next things is, Mike, you brought this up with Carolina's running game, but the Panthers actually had the ball for over 34 minutes of the game last week.
3: They outgained them by 60 yards. The total yards were 281 to 221. I mean, they outgained them by 60 yards. It was really the turnovers that just did them in.
5: Yeah, so as far as time of possession goes, I'm just looking for the Packers to sustain drives a little bit better, uh, continue spreading the ball. And then as far as coaching goes, I really have, no complaints because they, everything they struggled with in the first half was better in the second half. So I really don't have any complaints about the coaching as far as last week to this week goes. Um, Brian, I don't know if there's anything specific you're looking for on special teams. You kind of mentioned the, the, punt no, thing
1: I think good,
4: but. the one thing I'm looking for is, and Mike kind of talked about a Cordell Patterson is going to play this game. Ken Carlson kicked the ball out of the end zone. I'm hoping that he does. We, I don't, that's kind of like I expect them to do that to Keyshawn Nixon, Yep. I, we should try to do the same to Patterson because they're both can literally, have, you know, one of the huge, quickest ways to flip momentum and game is a special teams touchdown or a defensive touchdown. So, um, literally, just try to keep the ball away out of his hands and on special teams. And Patterson, uh, will, Patterson will
3: bring it out from nine yards deep too. Yeah. Like, it, if he if he can catch it before it goes out of bounds, he's coming. Like, yeah. you know, so he, so if he can get it through, hopefully, the conditions
4: will be perfect. or in a dome. Uh, if, you know, Carlson should have a big enough leg to kick that thing out of the end zone if he needs to. Hopefully he, that's what he does. You know what I mean? Because I, like I said, I expect them to do the same thing to Nixon, so. All
5: right, Brian, you kind of gave your matchup already a little bit, so I'll let you just refresh it.
4: Yeah, just really the linebackers are, uh, you know, Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell, speed and their coverage abilities really against um, Bijan and Tyler Algier. We, if we let them, and potentially Cordell Patterson, if we let them run wild, that it's going to be, we're going to be in for a big brawl. If we stymie their run game, I think we could pull away on this one a little bit. Granted that we're playing a much better defense than we did last week. And I I think this would be a much tougher task, but if we can, if we can stymie the run game, I'd like our chances. Or not even stymie, just slow it down. Don't let them, don't let that be why they beat us.
5: So my key to the game last week was limiting and isolating big plays. And that totally applies here. So, it's not a shocking, but I went a little bit more specific, and mine is strictly just Quay Walker versus B. John Robinson. Just those two guys specifically. It's it's going to be interesting to see how they interact, not, not like person to person because, I mean, it would be interesting, but like how they interact <laughs> on the football field. I'm actually really interested to see because they're both quick. Um, so I'm really excited to see it's just going to be good for football. Like Jake and I talk about this with the Brewers all the time, that we're watching two head-to-heads that it'll just make for great baseball. Like, this is just going to be a great football game to watch. So I'm just excited about that as a football fan. But, uh, Jake, what's that matchup that you're watching?
2: So we talked about Jesse Bates earlier. Like I said, you guys are jumping all over my paper here. But uh, I got Jordan Love versus Jesse Bates. Um, Mike brought it up that he forced all three turnovers last week. And Jordan Love's going to – he actually commented on it. He talked about uh, Jesse Bates, uh, always knowing where number three is at all times. He looks weird wearing number three, by the way. But uh, always knowing where he is, just like his name, he's very good at baiting quarterbacks in the turnovers. Love cannot be afraid to throw the ball over the middle. Do not let Jesse Bates intimidate you. Keep throwing that ball over the middle. Establish the run game, and uh, don't let him ruin the game.
5: Mike, is there any specific matchup that you're looking forward to this week?
3: Yeah, I mean I, I'm I'm with you guys on yours. I mean, as far as the linebackers against Robinson, Jesse Bates against Jordan Love. The other one, I guess, I I don't even I don't even know exactly how to frame it as a specific matchup, but I'm very curious as to how the Packers are gonna go about um, dealing with Kyle Pitts. Like how are they, you know, is it going to be Walker? Is it going to be Campbell? Is it gonna be a bracket type of thing where maybe Savage or Ford is involved? Um, you know, on the back end, um, you know, we I mean, we saw last week, you know, uh, Cole Komet ended up one on one in the end zone with Rasul Douglas, you know, so I mean, how, how, uh, um, how are the how are the Packers going to defend Kyle Pitts, um, I think becomes a, becomes an interesting question, because I honestly just don't know what the answer is.
4: I think this is a huge opportunity for Savage to stack to, like, success. He's going to be a big piece in this game, both in the running game and against Kyle Pitts, because those are really their strengths, right? They're in the middle, you know, those two. London's good, but let's be honest, if Jaws on him most of the game, he's going to be shut down for – should be shut down for most of the game. So, yeah, I think if Savage can stack success here, this, this would be a huge opportunity for him.
5: So – this guy already came up, but my X factor for the game is Jordan Love against the Falcons secondary that forced a bunch of turnovers. So, not a super, uh, not a super eye-opening pick. But uh, Bryant, who's an X factor for you this week? So mine's actually
4: a rookie. It's uh, Jaden Reed. I think one of the areas mm-hmm. that we're gonna see that we're going to try to attack especially on third down and stuff is out of the slot in the middle of the field probably behind the linebackers before where jesse bates is going to be i'll not be surprised if they're trying to open up the middle of the field quite a bit with maybe you know musgrave running some seam routes or something like that to you know pull jesse bates away a little bit i think they're gonna you could see a lot of those short hitters to jaden reed kind of like like similar to the touchdown you've seen uh christian watson get where he's just running along those um against the eagles last year uh running along the you know couple yards past the line of scrimmage just to get him the ball in space so I, i'm jaden reed out of the slot as my ex-actor this week
2: jake what about you it's an interesting one so i went uh devondre campbell and quay walker versus kyle pitts actually um they have the two guys that are just unguardable basically when they're on fire kyle pitts if that guy's feeling it and you're throwing the ball where you can catch it you're not stopping him it just is what it is he's six six and he runs a four four you're not stopping him. Bijan Robinson's middle name is actually breaking tackles. Bijan breaking tackles Robinson is his name. <laughs> um, I looked it up on Google, so it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Wikipedia uh, never lies. Yeah, Wikipedia never lies. But you got to stop one of them, right? So I'm choosing to stop Kyle Pitts. I think that would be the easier one to stop. You can rush the quarterback, and hopefully that Desmond Ritter is not the guy that we're, we're hoping that the Falcons are hoping that he is. So Campbell and Quay got to control that middle of the field. And we'll just let Bijan get what he's going to get. It's like a basketball game, right? Another basketball reference for you. There's some guys in the NBA, they're just going to get what they get. Curry's going to score 30 on you if he wants to score 30. LeBron's going to score 40 if he wants to score 40. Giannis is scoring 40 if he wants to. Bijan Robinson is going to touch the damn ball. He's going to get yards. Stop Kyle Pitts.
5: Mike, is there is there one player that you really think kind of hinges an X-factor on? I, I would say
3: my X-factor for this game is whoever can get uh, – whoever can intercept Desmond Ritter for the first time in the NFL. Yeah. I think the Packers have to Love get – the Packers have to get rid of that zero in Ritter's interception column. I'm not sure who it's going to be. Maybe it's <laughs> ja, maybe it's Rasul, maybe it's Savage. Maybe it's, you know, maybe Quay Walker, you know, ends, you know, gets an interception for a second week in a row. But I think if, uh, I, I think if the Packers get, uh, you know, get Ritter to throw that first NFL interception, I really like their chances.
5: Yeah, definitely, definitely love that. Uh, Jason got a little bit ahead of us in the comments by saying a 30 to 13 final score. But here at Wisco Fanatics, we do two score predictions every week. We do one from the head and one from the heart. Um, The head being the more analytical score prediction and then the heart being the more optimistic if everything goes right uh, score prediction. So, Michael, let you go first. If you had to make a score prediction from the head, what would you give?
3: From the head, I'm going to say 23-20 Packers.
5: Ooh, close game. Mine is similarly close. Not super close, but I went 24-17 from the head. Give Jake a second to write him down, and then Jake can give us yep. his.
2: So from the head, I went 31-24 at Green Bay.
4: Oh, wow. A little higher scoring. All right. Bryant, what about you? I went 20-17, to the Packers. Man, so, we're all really close. All right. And that's why I said I think this might be a game where Jordan Love, you know, has the ball at the end of the game, get us into field goal range, and have a chance to win it.
5: So my my score prediction from the heart is actually really close to Jason's, but Mike, I'll let you give one first. Uh score prediction from the heart. If everything goes well, you're most optimistic.
3: Um, I'm gonna go with uh twenty-seven sixteen Green Bay. Oh, wait.
4: That is
3: exactly <laughs> mine. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's hilarious. thirty to
5: thirteen in the comments. Mine is thirty to fourteen. 30 to 14. So guessing by, by Bryant's reaction, I'm guessing yours is the yeah, same? He
4: Bryanted me. I do that to Simon all the time. I say his or Jake's exactly. <laughs> you, you sniped it. I was like, 16 is a really good. You don't see that very often. I was like, but I feel like we could win by 10. But they have a really good kicker. So I was like, all right, 27-16. So <laughs> that's hilarious. Good call.
5: That's awesome. All right, Jake, give us your heart projection to round it out. <laughs>
2: Here's uh we're gonna get we're gonna get a couple turnovers, uh foreshadow there for you, but 34
4: to 10. Let Ooh. me do my Simon says first.
2: Hey, that's everything going right. That's everything going right. So everything in my heart going right. We're getting turnovers, we're running the ball, we're passing the ball. They're not doing any of that stuff. So 34 10.
5: All right. So our last segment before we sign off is our Simon says. Uh Simon isn't here with us this week. He's doing uh his tactical moose retreat for <laughs> the military in Alaska, as we like to say. So we have Mike. So we're going to do Spofford says this week. Yes. So we do basically one bold prediction for each game, one on offense, one on defense. So, Mike, if you just give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down, Bryant wants to go first. So I'll
4: let you fire right. away. So here's my defensive one. Desmond Ritter has played five games in the NFL and has never thrown an interception. Green Bay will pick off Ritter twice twice, and hand him his first um, home loss ever in college are the pros.
5: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> All right. Likes it. All right, Jake, give us your defensive one.
2: You copied me with the two interceptions, but I wrote down who's going to get them. So okay, <laughs> I say we hold them to under 230 yards. We're going to get two interceptions. Jair gets the first. Darnell Savage gets the second.
3: Hmm, but, yeah, I like the whole two interception thing. I'm, I'm on board. I'm on board with the uh two interceptions. I think the – Two hundred and thirty yards—that seems a little ambitious to me, but—but uh, um, but, hey, you cool. know.
5: <laughs> so I think mine I think the, tur- I think the turnovers
3: course. could be uh, could be a big factor here if the Packers can get a couple.
5: So mine doesn't go as far as the turnovers, but it does go as far as limiting the passing offense. My defensive Simon says or Spofford says this week: zero passing touchdowns for the Falcons.
1: Ooh.
3: I, I can't agree with that one. Oh, um, all right. I that think
5: he's. Tough. I think that he's gonna. Tough. I think
3: he's. I think he's gonna get. I think he's gonna get one. I think it's probably gonna go to Pitts. But oh, um, I think it's gonna get for the. Two. I guess for those who you know are interested in any like fantasy predictions or whatever, I don't play <laughs> football. But I mean, take B's
5: out of your lineup if you have him. <laughs> no, he's saying I picked him early. <laughs> All right, uh, Brian. Let's do our offensive ones, and then we'll get out of here.
4: Okay, so this one kind of hinges on Aaron Jones a little bit, but I put that AJ Dillon will bounce back in a huge way, posting his best game of his career with 125 rushing yards and two touchdowns. Oh my! That's God. one more yard than he rushed for against Tennessee. Say best touchdown! Wow,
3: best game of his career. I think that's a little too <laughs> ambitious. Sorry,
5: bro. We're winning thirty-four minutes
3: i'm looking i mean i i definitely i'm definitely looking for for aj dillon to have to have a good bounce back game i think the packers can really i think the packers can run the ball in this game but um but man to to, to go from 15 yards or whatever he had to 125 i think that's ask, that's asking a lot even about me on
5: sunday
2: okay <laughs> <laughs> all right
5: jay give us your offensive
3: one
2: all right, you ready for this one? I'm ready for your thumbs down. Uh, Jordan Love first career 300 yard passing game.
3: Oh wow!
2: Is that what you like that one? All right, <laughs> I knew it. I knew Honestly,
3: it. No, <laughs> no. Don't
4: worry. So, I think we got like you know, a total of handful of these right last year. So <laughs>
3: just, I, I just like, I, I think it's, I think it's too, I think it's too much to ask on the road in a dome, the noise you know, how it could affect the offense and stuff. I just think it's uh not to say that I'm saying Jordan Love's gonna have a bad game, but I just I think three hundred yards passing, um, that's a little bit too much to ask. Although it'll be interesting because whenever Jordan Love does get his first three hundred yard game, it will be the first three hundred yard passing game by a Packer quarterback since twenty twenty one because the Packers didn't even have a three hundred yard game last year. Uh Rogers Rogers didn't have one in twenty twenty two.
4: Rodgers didn't have, I think, a single game where it was 240 yards and three touchdowns last year, and Jordan did that in his first game, so that was nice to see. Ooh.
5: You know, as far as, as far as if Christian Watson plays and they get like an 80-yard like touchdown, like, then I could see your 300. But they yeah. need a super long touchdown to get yeah. that.
2: There. There's an avenue.
3: <laughs> Good to hear that Watson was, uh, Watson was actually back at practice on a limited basis yeah. today. I mean, I know that's only one practice in – you know, two weeks here, but, uh, but at least he got back on the practice field so that things are looking up. there. That's would possible. you,
5: would you use him as almost like a distraction type player? Like, would you put him out there for 10, 15 snaps and just send him on go routes just to make the defense pay attention to him?
3: That's, that's an, that's, that's an interesting thought. Cause I mean, certainly, you know, if he is able to play, it's not like he's going to, you know, suddenly play 50 snaps, you know, on, on that hamstring. So, uh, that's a that that's a that's a curious thing. Um, you know what what gets tough about that is you know I mean the coaches build you know they build the whole they build the whole game plan on Tuesday and and you know trying to suddenly say oh well you know you get to Friday and now Watson can practice and oh can we do this and that and you know the guy I mean the guys have repped all the stuff you know Wednesday Thursday Friday and you know the game plan's been put in place so. Um, you know that that can be a little bit much to uh, to make a shift like that, but um, but who knows? I mean, you know, Lafleur Lafleur can definitely get creative at times, so we'll see.
5: Uh, Jason's given us kind of a bonus one in the uh, in the comments. He said 274 passing yards for Love, three touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. Super specific. Oh wow.
3: Yeah, well, I didn't didn't have uh, in either of my score predictions, I didn't have the Packers scoring four touchdowns. So I'll have to uh, thumbs up. All right. So
5: my last one for the offense isn't super bold, but it does factor in kind of into what the Packers did well and what the Falcons did well last week. And I'm going to say zero turnovers for the Packers' offense. Yep.
1: That'd
2: be sweet.
5: Not super bold, but I think you went crazy on
2: defense and super vanilla on offense.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now, listen, because. Jesse Bates was brought up a shit ton of times, but nobody brought up AJ Terrell. He's
2: he's. Good. I got on my
4: notes. So we just we're we're kind All of. Right. of time. So I did want to ask one question before we jumped out of here, if that's okay, Mike. And I just it was kind of interesting to me because kind of and it goes it's about David Bocchiari, um and his like disdain for turf. Last week, going into the game, no injury status. This week, questionable. Do you right. think this could be, like, one of those things where he gets to the stadium, he tests, his, tests like, all? I think we have five games this year where we play on turf that he just has to see how the field feels, essentially? I don't, I mean, he absolutely – I don't know if there's any player in the NFL that's more vocal against turf than um, David has been. So, yeah. I just thought it was kind of interesting to see him as questionable. I know Mike, uh, Matt said yeah, he'll be questionable all year, but he wasn't questionable going into week one. So, I, it was right. just kind of like, mm, that's interesting to see.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, I guess I would. I mean, I think what you're saying there is is maybe a possibility. The other part, the other part that I wonder about is just uh, um, now that now that he's played a game after having you know not practiced for a while and getting ready to play that game, are they are they still trying to figure out exactly what the recovery. Process and the recovery pattern is to get him ready to play again seven days later, whether it's on grass or on turf. That's a good point. Um, so it could be that the turf, the turf part of it is is uh, you know is the potential question mark, or it could be just uh, a little bit of uncertainty with uh, with his recovery process now that now that he's played a game and there's another one in seven days, and that's where when you talk about Bakhtiari, the fact that the Packers have a Thursday night game coming up in a couple of weeks, yep. you know, you have that quick turnaround. And then obviously the other Thursday game, which is also against the lions will be on Thanksgiving where they're going to be playing, you know, the, the two games in a span of, in a span of five days with a guy like oh, Bakhtiari and schedule, they have him on and stuff like that. That's really going to be something to watch because, uh, um, because for, for as vocal as he is about turf, I think those weeks he's going to probably be just as vocal about Thursday football in the NFL because it's not not necessarily conducive to the type of schedule that he'd like to be on.
4: True. And he's a uh, last thing, too, is like, it's interesting about Aaron Jones. There's a couple players on our team that, if they don't practice, I feel comfortable, fully comfortable with them going on playing Aaron Jones, Bakhtiari, a couple of them. So we'll sure. see what happens with him.
5: Yeah. All right, Jason threw one more defensive bold prediction in here. He said two sacks for Gary, Van Ness, a sack and a forced fumble.
3: Wow. <laughs> that's uh that's that's pretty bold. I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no. I'll have to give the thumbs down to that, only because I'm not sure. And this is again where the where the turf thing I think comes up is how many more snaps is Rashawn Gary gonna play? I mean, yes, he's certainly capable of playing more. But this game is also this game is also on turf as opposed to on grass. So I don't know if Rashawn Gary necessarily goes from a dozen snaps to suddenly three dozen snaps. Um, and uh, um, as good as he was with the pass rush last week, um, you know this Atlanta offensive line is a little better than Chicago's. So you know his his pass rush win rate, pressure rate, whatever you want to call it, it's going to be really tough to repeat that. Um, you know, of uh, compared to what he did in Chicago.
5: All righty. Well, lots of sounds like lots of fun things to watch for this Sunday. Should be just a good football game in general. Uh Mike, we want to thank you again for taking two hours to spend time with us to talk about the right. Packers. We really appreciate
3: it. Yeah, hey, I enjoy it, fellas. It's always we, fun.
5: It's it's cool having the the validation and the discussion of somebody who works for the Packers, somebody living the dream and and getting the insight from you as well. So we really, really appreciate it. It's yeah, can you, no,
3: I I enjoy coming on, guys. It's always fun to talk to you.
4: And I I think most people know where to find you or whatever, but you just want to throw a couple of your where, where they can find some of your content from.
3: Yeah, I mean Packers.com. It's that's that's where I'm at. I'm I'm also on uh Twitter or X, I guess, at Mike Spofford. But for those of you who know me, I'm not crazy active on social media, but uh but go to the website. That's all all my work is there. It's got my name on it, and uh appreciate anybody who likes to consume it.
5: All righty. Well, we will be back. Uh, we're going to share our keys and, and our uh, score predictions on Sunday morning. Otherwise, Jake and I will be back on Wednesday talking about the Brewers and the Badgers, and then we'll be back again next Friday night talking about this Falcons game.